we love making Uncovering the Birds. If you enjoy listening, we were wondering if you could help us out. The podcast was selected as a finalist for the 2024 Sports Podcast Group Awards. But to win, we got to get the fan vote. So if you have a minute to vote for us, that would be great. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Click Vote Now in the middle of the top tab. Scroll down to Best Team Podcast Category and cast your vote for the pod. That's it. Voting closes January 28th. Thanks so much for listening. The following podcast contains explicit language. Tom Langworthy can tell. You can see it on his face. I mean, you can see it on TV during the games. Like, there's a guy that is not sleeping, (laughs) or not sleeping well, or sleeping in his office. He can tell when his childhood friend, Nick Sirianni, is feeling the weight of his job. And he, like, looks tired. You can see bags under his eyes. Like, he's giving, he's putting everything he's got into this. Langworthy has known Sirianni for most of his life. They grew up a block away from each other in the southwest part of New York State and met in first grade. Football only strengthened their friendship. They played together in high school and both ended up becoming head coaches. One stayed close to home and coaches a local high school team. The other has somehow found himself on the hot seat after leading the Eagles to a Super Bowl appearance just 11 months ago. What have your conversations been like over the last like five five weeks or so? Um, I haven't talked to him much. I just uh, I sent him a few uh, texts. Good luck. Uh, recently, just uh, told him I was thinking about him, and, and uh, every coach you know every coach goes through these things, and just encouraging him to try to be a good friend. Nick Sirianni has good friends in the Eagles organization, but considering the current state of his team, will that be enough? What we've seen happen to this version of the Eagles is unprecedented. This is the first team I've covered that clinched a playoff berth so early, and as tight end Dallas Goddard suggested, went on cruise control for the next six weeks and are now limping into the postseason. The Monday before we published this podcast, I took a screenshot of Sirianni's day-after-game press conference and published it on X. Like Langworthy said, you could just tell. He was wearing the strain of the Eagles' rut on his face. The previous afternoon, his team was humiliated by the lowly New York Giants. The message from Nick Sirianni last night was, we want to win this game. It means a lot. We have got to win this game. Well, guess what? They are in the process of being taken apart in every which way. This is as bad as it gets. This is as bad as it gets. Five losses in six games. The last two to teams with a combined record of 7-23 and before the Eagles played them? Losses like that absolutely warrant questions like this. Could Monday night's first-round playoff game at the Tampa Buccaneers be a referendum on Nick Sirianni's job? Do you think we're at the point where these games become a referendum on Nick Sirianni? What do you mean? You said a what? A referendum, meaning that this next week will tell us whether this team is with him. Right. Hey, you're going to see. You know, and I think we're going to be with each other. I know this team with them. You know what I'm saying? And I know that everybody create their own narrative on the outside, but I don't see nothing but people just working every week and, you know, owning their stuff. And I feel like, you know, we'll see next week. Indeed we will. Brandon Graham and the rest of the Eagles play the Bucks on Monday Night Football. 
the stakes for Sirianni have gotten insanely high. And we're about to find out what's really true about everything coming out of the Eagles headquarters in recent weeks. Why should we still believe this team is actually together? Can Sirianni overcome some of his bad decisions, his scheme's shortcomings, and his temperament? And most importantly, what is the Eagles' brain trust thinking? What's been going through Jeffrey Lurie's mind as he's watched his team tailspin? How much blame is he placing on Sirianni? And how much is falling on GM, Howie Roseman? Nah, man, we zero, zero. What we gonna do? Just know it's been a rough, rough ending, but it's about to be a beautiful start. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast. Season 2, Episode 7. Nick. One of the main questions about the Eagles these days, inside and outside the Novacare complex, has suddenly become whether or not Nick Sirianni will survive his team's end of the regular season collapse, and whether Monday night's game at Tampa will be a referendum on Sirianni and his ability to lead the football team. We're recording this episode two days after the Eagles' deflating loss to the Giants in the season finale. Inside Novacare, Sirianni, his staff, the players, Jeffrey Lurie, and management are all focused on one thing, beating the Buccaneers. But this is what I've been hearing the last few weeks as the Eagles' slide got worse. Lurie is taking a more active interest in football operations. What that means for Nick Sirianni's future is still too early to tell. Lurie is an involved owner, but he's typically more of the asking questions type than the meddling kind. But when he sees fit, he will assert his authority. We've got to remember, despite how bad things seem, the season isn't over yet. Many in Philadelphia are assuming the Eagles will exit the playoffs early, but you just don't know. Out of fairness, we have to leave open the possibility they could turn things around. Why should anyone believe that? Sirianni grinds at his job. He has by far the best winning percentage of any coach in the NFL hired in the last three years. As Tom Langworthy told me on the phone, his longtime friend eats, breathes, and sleeps the gig. And players take notice, including quarterback Jalen Hurts. I have a lot of confidence in Coach. You know, he pushes, he pushes hard into it. He has a will to win. Um, and that's really all you can ask for. Another one of Nick's strengths that has helped keep the team from completely splintering is how he shields his players and handles accountability. Evidence of that came at A.J. Brown's locker stall the week before the Giants game, when he pulled back the curtain and revealed that Hertz checked to a play and threw to a covered Brown on the final drive of the December 18th game at Seattle. Their improv led to a game-ending interception. People say I'm beefing with Nick. I'm, I'm not mad at Nick. I don't, I'm not mad at nobody. Like, like, we have a great relationship. I got a ton of respect for, for Nick. I even said, for, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get detail. For example, I know that's what y'all want anyway, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get detail. Uh, like for the Seattle game, that was on us. Like we, we messed that up. We, we, we improvised and we went on our own and Nick came out and said, oh, I, I, I wanted to try to get a flag or something, something crazy like that. It's like he really made himself look like, look, look like a, a fool for us. I have nothing but respect for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because not all coaches do that. You know what I'm saying? So like we rhyme with Nick. 
Sirianni's explanation of the logic to try and draw a pass interference penalty at that stage of the game was so baffling, it even confused guys in the locker room, like tackle Jordan Maialata. I mean, that, when he said that, that was wild. And I was like, I know damn well you lying, motherfucker. Like, I know you didn't do that just to throw it, get it, try and get a flag. Um, so I knew, I knew Nick's guy. I was like, nah, he's taking one for the team. There's no way. Sirianni's story was a cover. I circled back with Brown at his stall a day later. I asked if Sirianni, despite his public protection, at least held the receiver and Hurts accountable behind the scenes. Brown said he did, telling his quarterback that wasn't the time nor the place, and that corrections were made during film review. This wasn't close to the first time Sirianni took a bullet for his players and assistants, betting the truth publicly for the sake of keeping order internally. Last season, after a game against the Texans, Malata benefited from this approach. So do you have any examples of when maybe you kind of like took one for you? Or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Houston game, back-to-back sacks. Came out the next day and he said that we should have ran, you know, shoulder routes, everyone timed up. Nah, I just got beat. I just got beat. And he went out there and he took, tried to take some, some of the blame, but you know, I didn't know that Nick had done what he, he had done until you guys asked me. And I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Let me take you inside the Eagles film sessions for a moment. Under Sirianni, they are relatively unique. Not so much that he will select both good and bad plays, but that he will list the numbers of the players who need to make corrections in the lower corner of the screen. And what's really different is that Sirianni will often have his own name on the board, as Malata noted, when the coach considers himself most at fault. Linebacker Nicholas Morrow came to the Eagles from the outside. He spent time with the Raiders and Bears and said they didn't hold players as accountable in film review. But when it came to the question of loyalty, Mora had a more nuanced perspective. Are the Eagles playing more at a loyalty to their coach or to each other? Here's the thing about how I just kind of feel about it. I don't think that guys are loyal to coaches. I think they're loyal to each other in the locker room first. You know what I mean? I think it's always going to be the case. It's always going to be I mean, shoot the guys that you hang out with the most are going to be in the locker room. And I think that's what starts first. I think with Coach Sirianni, I think staying consistent and, and holding guys accountable and holding himself accountable. I mean, he'll put himself up there too, right? So it's not like a just one person or, or everyone else. I've been a part of situations where I obviously fall apart, but uh, you want to play for each other, it makes it a little bit easier no matter who, no matter who's calling the plays and really no matter who's at co- head, head coaching position. Sirianni is a prideful guy. Getting peppered with tough questions at the podium and taking the blame when you know it's not always on you can't be easy. I asked Sirianni at a recent press conference why he's chosen to handle accountability this way. AJ had said that, um, he was giving an example of your loyalty, and he pointed to the last Seattle play. You were protecting your players. Like, why, why do that? You know, when I played, and that was a long time ago, knowing a coach had my back was really important to me. And you're a product of things that you went through, you know, and I know that's important. You know, I felt like that would be important to them as well. And then we just move on and we correct the mistakes that we make from that, myself and, and the players. How'd you handle that? Um, and is that difficult to, like, you know, prideful way when you really know exactly what happened but you can't explain it? No, because I think, well, I mean, pride's always, pride is a, a thing that's always dangerous. And you got to, I've seen 
too many times where pride is a you know something that deteriorates teams and so you have to put pride aside and you have to just say how you believe to do it like I say to you guys all the time the best thing I can be right now in 42 years old is is be part of a football team that's special Um, and that's just what teams do and that's what that's what good teams do but right now the Eagles are far from a good team how much of that is a reckoning on Sirianni himself being a good guy someone who's got heart like Jalen Hurts said and has his players back these are necessary qualities for an NFL head coach but as some of Nick Sirianni's warts are starting to show it takes more than intangibles we'll get into that next You want hometown coverage that's just as obsessed with Philly sports as you are? Then access your obsession 24-7 only at Inquire.com slash sports. Get in the huddle with over 40 expert reporters and editors all covering your birds and other Philly teams. Catch all the insights, analysis, and much more only at Inquire.com slash sports. Hey. This is Brian Seltzer. I love producing Uncovering the Birds and working with Jeff, just like I love working on the other podcasts we produce at KYW News Radio. We've got the John Cast, which takes you on these really fun, unique, and unexpected journeys about the people, places, and things in Philadelphia that make our city so distinct. There's also In Depth, which is my go to pod for thoughtful, down the middle analysis of current events and other topics affecting our world in Philly and beyond. Gone Cold explores unsolved murders in Philadelphia. Bridging Philly brings you stories that connect communities on the issues that matter most to you. And One on One has great conversations with people in sports you should absolutely know more about. So give the full slate of KYW News Radio original podcasts a listen. Download the free Odyssey app and follow KYW News Radio for Philly's best original podcasts right at your fingertips. I'm Jeff McLean. This is Uncovering the Birds. Nick, I can't imagine a month ago you were of this mindset, but I'll ask you now. Are are you worried about your future in Philly, that it may not last much longer unless the team plays much better soon? No, I don't don't think about those things. Again, I try to stay right where we are right now. You know, how do we fix some of the things that that we got going on right now? You know, that's where my my focus is, and that's where where I'll be. The vibes around the Eagles are bad. Typically, teams that sink to these depths are losing teams that ultimately get coaches fired, not ones with 11-6 and records like the Eagles who are heading into the playoffs for a third year in a row. But this is the Eagles' reality at the moment. It feels like 2020, 2015, and 2012. Those were the last years for Doug Peterson, Chip Kelly, and Andy Reid. Unlike Nick Sirianni, they didn't have a looming playoff appearance to right the ship. How did we get here? How did it get this ugly less than a year removed from the Super Bowl? To me, there are three big-picture issues you can point to that explain why questions are being asked about Nick Sirianni's future. Number one, the offense and Jalen Hurts. They're just not functioning at the level they should be. Number two, what now looks like a reactionary panic switch at defensive coordinator. Since Matt Patricia took over play-calling duties for Sean Desai, the defense has somehow gotten worse. And number three, Nick Sirianni's fiery personality. Let's go through these issues one by one. First, the offense. 
Hurts. Can he pull it off right here? He takes the snap. He's looking. Steps up. Fires. It's intercepted! It's intercepted! The Jets have the ball. And running across the five is Adams. There's the game. That's the one thing they couldn't do. Last season, the offense was a juggernaut. This year, the group has lacked consistent punch and innovation, and Hertz has regressed. Increasingly, specifically in the regular season finale, the Eagles haven't found the right answers for blitzes. There were times against the Giants they looked completely lost. Hertz goes back. He's rolling to the near side. He's being chased, and he's sacked back at the 15. More guys than you can block. You've got seven guys and six guys coming when you've only got five guys to block, and they're going to get there. Counteracting blitzes has been just one of the Eagles' problems on offense. Here are some others Nick Sirianni hasn't figured out yet. Is the offense too predictable and doesn't give John Hurts enough easy throws? And how much is on Hurts, who has been giving more freedom at the line of scrimmage? You want to blame Brian Johnson? Fine. He's a culprit. We profiled the first-year offensive coordinator in the fifth episode this season of Uncovering the Birds, called Adapt or Die. But to underscore a point, On the podcast before, this isn't Brian Johnson's offense. It's Nick Sirianni's, and he hasn't made enough adjustments. And that started with how he approached the offseason. Listen to this snippet from a phone interview I had with Sirianni on September 5th. It was a week before the season opener at New England. He was in his car on his cell, and we were talking about what he thought were the next steps in his evolution as a head coach. So one thing we wanted to do with our team is like, offensively, let's say, was try to really, it's not always about coming up with new plays and new wrinkles and new things like that. Sometimes it's just getting better, and a lot of times it's just getting better at your pace stuff, right, and your, and how do you coach it better, and how do you do it better, and then off of that, what are some wrinkles off of that? Not necessarily new things. But things that are wrinkles, and I, I guess I would say where I'm saying with that, where I'm going with that, is that's kind of been the same way I've thought about year three. Like, I don't think it's anything new. It's like, how do we get better at what we're already doing? How telling are those comments? Sirianni said he didn't think the Eagles needed as much new as he did getting better at what they had already been doing. In hindsight, it's safe to say this mindset hindered the Eagles' offense at the beginning of the season. Sirianni has tried to make changes in season, but his inability to do enough tweaking in the offseason may have come back to haunt him. The other dynamic at play is at quarterback, and really this can relate to the entire team. Hertz has struggled at various points throughout the season. He has his preferred offensive coordinator, a scheme that is designed to play to his strengths, and a coach that will shield him. But as we detailed in the last episode of Uncovering the Birds, for all of Hertz's positives, He's still developing. At times, he hasn't run the offense as scripted. He also hasn't defended Sirianni by taking full accountability for his mistakes when given the opportunity. Here's Hertz when I asked him about improvising on the last play against the Seahawks when he threw the interception. um, Last week, AJ had revealed that on the last Seattle play that you had checked to a play and you caught it like, you know, improvisation. Um, was that the right decision to make at that moment, or was there something else going on that we don't know about? There's a lot that you guys don't know. Um, in fact, you don't know what you don't know. 
So, so Coach Sirianni told you that that was fine in that situation, or was that the, the wrong decision? There's no, no right or wrongs. It's all based upon the results, usually. Um, and I think that's the reality of it. So the offense has been one of the big-picture issues that's caused Sirianni problems. Number two is the defense. First and ten Cardinals. Snap comes back to Murray. He completes it, breaking the tackle down the sideline, cutting back at the 10, again at the 5. Dorch! And the Cardinals are five yards away from a devastating upset of the Eagles. And it doesn't matter that you change defensive coordinators. It's the same defense. It's the same guys. The defensive coordinator situation has been an absolute disaster like Juan Castillo and Bill Davis levels. I've never seen a defense look as bad as the Eagles did the last two weeks of the regular season. At the Week 10 bye, Sirianni started a process that took third-down game planning away from Desai and gave it to Patricia, as I reported for the Inquirer a few weeks ago. Check out the link to the article in the show notes. Patricia was then given full authority over third downs before the Week 14 game at the Cowboys and before Desai was demoted. But since the bye, the Eagles have been even more inefficient on third downs. Demoting Sean Desai for Matt Patricia has backfired so badly that if Sirianni made the call on his own, it could constitute as a fireable offense. But was this Sirianni's decision alone? That's a question that has to be answered. I asked Sirianni after the Cardinals debacle how much input owner Jeffrey Lurie and general manager Howie Roseman had on the switch. What kind of advice did you receive from uh, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie uh, during the defensive coordinator switch? Just, hey, do what you th- feel like you need to do. And uh, did you have to run it by them before you made the decision? I talked to those guys about everything. Mr. Laurie from day one, Howie from day one, have always said to me, do what you think, you know, you're tied into this, do what you think's best to, to do to help us win a football game. And we got your back and your support. We're, we're going to always back you to our, for everything, whether that, anything that you do, we're going to always back you. And I really do appreciate that from both of those guys. And I've felt that in that decision. I feel, still feel that right now today. Yeah. Regardless of how much either Lurie or Roseman were involved in demoting Sean Desai, or if it was solely Sirianni's doing, I was told by sources it didn't leave a good taste in the mouths of some other staff members. They felt that Patricia's presence and closeness with Roseman created bad optics. It was Roseman who put the former Patriots defensive coordinator on Sirianni's radar. On top of that, team sources told me Patricia was given an office close to Sirianni at the Novacare complex. That bothered some staffers. I just keep going back to the question of who made this decision. Sirianni hasn't backed away from it. But to start the process of stripping a coordinator of power when the Eagles were 8-1, and one, then to demote him at 10-3 and three was unprecedented. Now, it's blown up in his face. Finally, let's address the third major Nick Sirianni-related issue, his demeanor. For better or worse, This is not what you expect to hear from an NFL head coach walking off the field. (laughs) That was sound of Sirianni celebrating wins over Kansas City and Dallas earlier this season, captured by NBC Sports Philadelphia. Sirianni's fiery temperament might be the most cursory of concerns we're laying out in this episode but we have to talk about it as part of the big picture. Part of the reason why is because Sirianni has often brought it upon himself. 
He jumped on the visitor's bench at the Colts last season and taunted fans. He berates officials and has developed a bad reputation among crews in the league. And his cockiness on the sidelines and during press conferences has made him one of the most hated coaches in other NFL cities. Kind of sounds like the trash talker Tom Langworthy remembers getting vilified by other high schools the two played against when they were younger. I think that one thing that has held true with Nick is that he's just fearlessly been himself. Langworthy is one of Nick Sirianni's oldest friends. He coaches high school football back where they grew up in southwestern New York State. When the Kansas City postgame video started making the rounds on the internet, he wasn't surprised. He's been witness to Sirianni's competitive side longer than most. We laughed about that here because, like, he was doing that stuff in high school basketball. You know, he was been doing that. Like, that's not new, and he's not, like, pandering. Like, that's just who he is, and uh, people from our high school thought it was funny, and people from other high schools probably felt like the Chiefs fans after that game. Back in September, when Sirianni and I chatted by phone the week before the season started, he acknowledged that sometimes he needs to get a grip. There's emotions on the sideline you want to always control, and then there's emotions you want to allow to to be free. And, I, and so, you know, some things with the, our players and how we interact with them, with the celebrating with our guys, cool. Do I always a work in progress of how to handle a bad call? I'm always going to be a work in progress. So hopefully I'm getting better. <laughs> this is how Sirianni chalks up his behavior. He's being authentic, true to himself. I challenged him on that during our call. There's like a thin line, right, between like being your authentic self, right, but also kind to kind of at least improve a little bit or tweak things a little bit. Sure. So how do you view that? Like, I mean, no, that's you. We know that's you at this point, and it's the players love it. Philly loves it. But you want to piss off all teams all the time, you know, like how do you handle that? You definitely have to be yourself. I think people see through it when you're not yourself. And I, I and I'm finding more and more that I'm uh, that I like these coaches that I see, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, or even Friday night, that are unapologetically themselves. I think that's I'm like you know what? I like him. He, at least he's he's being himself. I have a new appreciation for the, for that. You know. But Sirianni seems to know when he's gone too far, or when his sideline temperament can have an adverse effect on the team. Late in the Christmas Day nail-biter against the Giants, the Eagles almost let the game slip away. Sirianni was caught on camera barking at linebacker Hassan Reddick and receiver Devontae Smith. Sirianni's unstableness in that moment seemed to reflect the general state of the Eagles, a team that was described by a team source in our last episode of Uncovering the Birds as being among the most miserable, even when they were 10-1. and Sirianni wants to remain true to himself. But as he admitted after that first Giants game, he thought he got two tens on the sideline. Jason Kelsey later told me head coaches need to be conscious of how their actions affect the rest of the team. I think that like guys that are authentically themselves at the end of the day, however that comes across, resonates with people. Kelsey has a good pulse for personalities. He's played for four different coaches in 13 years with the Eagles. I think Nick is fiery and at times is it not the best things, maybe, but I think, by and large, a lot of his attitude and the way he carries himself rubs off well on the team, and they can, everyone can tell that he is vehemently dedicated to putting the team in the best position, winning, and getting the most out of guys. Like As long as it's not causing a penalty, I think it's just reinforcing how important it is to him, which is, I think, the most important thing to stress to the players. 
We've talked about how Nick Sirianni's heart and willingness to hold himself accountable and protect his players have scored him points in the locker room. Maybe enough, at least for now, to have kept the Eagles intact these last few weeks. We've looked at Sirianni's flaws and how they've conspired against the Eagles' fortunes since Thanksgiving. What does it all mean for his future? Really, it doesn't matter what you, I, or anyone else thinks. It's all about the 72-year-old Jeffrey Lurie. Nick, what's been the messaging from Jeffrey Lurie the last six weeks, and especially after the last game and heading into the playoffs? Ever since I've been here, you know, whether it was we started off two and five, whether it was that we won 16 games last year, whether it was we started off 10 and one, or whether it was that we, we've lost five of our last six because we've been through ups and we've been through downs and he's been nothing but supportive the entire time I've been here through any deci- any tough decision I've ever had to make, through any personnel, any, anything like that, anything with a game decision. Mr. Laurie has been nothing but completely supportive, willing to do anything in his power to help us win football games. We have to reiterate, there is still at least one game left in the season. The Eagles are favored, and if they win in Tampa, who knows? Maybe they build enough momentum to go on a run. But I've covered three of five coaching changes in Lori's three decades as an owner. Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, and Doug Peterson. I know how he gets and what he starts to do when things get bad. What I can tell you is that in recent weeks, Lori has started seeking more answers and is getting more involved. Does this represent a precursor to something more? No. Like I've been saying, we're still at least one game away from that, if we're talking about Sirianni's future with the Eagles beyond this year. But I also know this. The long-standing relationship between Lurie and general manager Howie Roseman has always factored into who the Eagles hire as their head coach and how they handle him. I've been reporting on this dynamic for years. Lurie needs a conduit to his football team. That conduit is often Roseman. The trust there is implicit. If Lurie were to hire a strong-willed coach, like he did when the Eagles hired Chip Kelly, that would probably mean the end of Roseman, or at least his sway. Lurie needs someone who won't be difficult to deal with. That's part of the reason how and why Nick Sirianni, a relative unknown at the time, got this gig in the first place. To Lurie's credit, he's done very well under these circumstances and hired first-time head coaches who have had varying degrees of success. Through two seasons with Sirianni, it was all working out. This is something I really appreciate about him. He not only grinds on football and on connections and culture, and we think there's an advantage to having a head coach who truly um, does the due diligence and is, a, is sort of a, a grinder at it. So I love that. Lurie made those comments in late March at the annual NFL owners meetings. It was the last time he answered questions publicly about his team. He declined an opportunity to talk after the loss at the Giants. But Lurie's praise of Sirianni's approach to hiring assistants shows that we're probably not in Doug Peterson territory. Towards the end, Lurie thought it was necessary to step in when he didn't like Peterson's replacement candidates. We're also nowhere near Chip Kelly's end when he increasingly cited his players' execution as reason for the Eagles' failures, and he distanced himself from personnel choices he made after his power grab. Sirianni doesn't have final say over the roster. That's Howie Roseman's domain. And as the season has gone off the rails, it's become clear that the roster is flawed. The question then becomes, where does Lurie place the blame? 
there's so many variables at play. Player evaluation, scheme, instruction, execution, analytics, and on and on. It's up to the owner to decide where the Eagles have gone wrong, how much blame should fall on Sirianni, and what needs to change. So much has transpired since March when Laurie last spoke and sung Sirianni's praises. Does he feel differently now? Time might be running out, at least in this season, for Sirianni to show that this slump shouldn't be a referendum on a broader, more successful body of work. Anyone can lead in times of, you know, when times are easy. Uh, you know, when times are hard, this is when you, you see what you're made of and, and, how, and how you lead. I know we can get out of this slump that we're in. It's my job to, to make sure that we do. So I look at it as a challenge, and, I, I'm, up, and I'm, I'm damn for sure up for that challenge. Back in Jamestown, New York, Tom Langworthy continues to follow along. Few people know better than him what Nick Sirianni's mindset might be right now. Three decades of friendship will buy you that kind of feel. What do you think he's doing to get at it? Like, what do you think he, do you think he's just doubling down? Do you think he's like, oh, I got it. Yeah, knowing Nick, probably pushing even harder, probably going harder than ever, probably making sure every stone is unturned, grinding harder, uh, trying to probably do things differently, ask different questions. It's like, I think one time somebody described coaching as the constant search for answers. You know, I think that's pretty much like what he's in right now is like, He's got to find, you know, find some answers, working himself out of it, taking accountability, knowing him, that how dedicated he is and how much it means to him. Like, he's probably working more hours now and trying to get this team to be, you know, the best that they can heading into this time of the year. This is Uncovering the Birds, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KWW News Radio original podcast. Our producer is KOW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickard is KOW News Radio's Director of Podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. Special thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia. If you're enjoying Uncovering the Birds, please leave us a review or a rating. We appreciate the one we got from Andy from Connecticut. Glad you found us. Listen to Uncovering the Birds, free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. I'm Jeff McClain. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Jeff underscore McClain, or search my name on any social media platform. Thanks for listening.